Part 2 The Weapons Master Empty hours. Empty days. I find that I have few memories of that first period of my life, those first sixteen years when I labored as a servant. Minutes blended into hours, hours into days, and so on, until the whole of it seemed one long and barren moment. Several times I managed to sneak out onto the balcony of House to Arden and look out over the magical lights of Menzoboranzen. On all of these secret journeys, I found myself entranced by the growing and dissipating heat light of Narbondal, the time clock pillar. Looking back on that now, on those long hours watching the glow of the wizard's fire slowly walk its way up and down the pillar, I am amazed at the emptiness of my early days. I clearly remember my excitement, my tingling excitement, each time I got out of the house and set myself into position to observe the pillar. Such a simple thing it was, yet so fulfilling compared to the rest of my existence. Whenever I hear the crack of a whip, another memory, more a sensation than memory, actually, sends a shiver through my spine. The shocking jolt and the ensuing numbness from those snake-headed weapons is not something that any person would soon forget. They bite under your skin, sending waves of magical energy through your body, waves that make your muscles snap and pull beyond their limits. Yet I was luckier than most. My sister Werner was near to becoming a high priestess when she was assigned the task of rearing me, and was at a period of her life when she possessed far more energy than such a job required, Perhaps, then, there were more to those first ten years under her care that I now recall. Verna never showed the intense wickedness of our mother, or, more particularly, of our oldest sister, Brisa. Perhaps there were good times in the solitude of the house chapel. It is possible that Verna allowed a more gentle side of herself to show through to her baby brother. Maybe not. Even though I count Verna as the kindest of my sisters— her words drip in the venom of Loth as surely as those of any cleric in Menzoboranzen. It seems unlikely that she would risk her aspirations toward high priestesshood for the sake of a mere child, a mere male child. Whether there were indeed joys in those years obscured in the unrelenting assault of Menzoboranzen's wickedness, or whether that earliest period of my life was even more painful than the years that followed, so painful that my mind hides the memories, I cannot be certain. For all my efforts, I cannot remember them. I have more insight into the next six years, but the most prominent recollections of the days I spent serving the court of Matron Malice, aside from the secret trips outside the house, is the image of my own feet. A page prince is never allowed to raise his gaze. Drizd Duarden Chapter 6. Two Hands Drizzt promptly answered the call to his matron mother's side, not needing the whip that Breeza used to hurry him along. How often he'd felt the sting of that dreaded weapon. Drizzt held no thoughts of revenge against his vicious older sister. With all the conditioning that he had received, he feared the consequences of striking her or any female far too much to entertain such notions. "'Do you know what day this marks?' 
Malice asked him as he arrived at the side of her great throne in the chapel's darkened anteroom. No, Major Mother, Drizzt answered, unconsciously keeping his gaze on his toes. A resigned sigh rose in his throat as he noticed the unending view of his own feet. There had to be more to life than blank stone and ten wiggling toes, he thought. He slipped one foot out of his low boot and began doodling on the stone floor. Body heat left discernible tracings in the infrared spectrum, and Drizzt was quick and agile enough to complete simple drawings before the initial lines had cooled. Sixteen years, Matron Malice said to him. You have breathed the air of Menzeberanzen for sixteen years. An important period of your life has passed. Driz did not react, did not see any importance or significance to this declaration. His life was an unending and unchanging routine. One day, sixteen years, what difference did it make? If his mother considered important the things he had been put through since his earliest recollections, Drizzt shuddered to think of what the next decade might hold. He had nearly completed his picture of a round-shouldered drow, Breeza, being bitten on the behind by an enormous viper. "'Look at me!' Matron Malice commanded. Drizzt felt at a loss. His natural tendency once had been to look upon a person of whom he was talking— but Breeza had wasted no time in beating that instinct out of him. The place of a page prince was servitude. The only eyes a page princess were worthy of meeting were those of the creatures that scurried across a stone floor, except the eyes of a spider, of course. Drizzt had to avert his gaze whenever one of the eight-legged things crawled into his vision. Spiders were too good for the likes of a page prince. "'Look at me!' Malice said again, her tone hinting at volatile impatience. Drizzt had witnessed the explosions before, a wrath so incredibly vile that it swept aside anything and everything in its path. Even Breeza, so pompous and cruel, ran for hiding when the matron mother grew angry. Drizzt forced his gaze up tentatively, scanning his mother's black robes, using the familiar spider patterns along the garment's back and sides to judge the angle of his gaze. He fully expected, as every inch passed, a smack on his head or a lashing on his back. Breeza was behind him, always with her snake-headed whip near her anxious hand. Then he saw her, the mighty matron Malice Duarden, her heat-sensing eyes flashing red and her face cool, not flushed with angry heat. Drizzt kept tense, still expecting a punishing blow. "'Your tenure as page prince is ended.' Malice explained. "'You are second boy of House to Arden now, and are accorded all the—' Driz's gaze unconsciously slipped back to the floor. "'Look at me!' His mother screamed in sudden rage. Terrified, Driz snapped his gaze back to her face, which now was glowing a hot red. On the edge of his vision he saw the wavering heat of Malice's swinging hand, though he was not foolish enough to try and dodge the blow. He was on the floor then— the side of his face bruised. Even in the fall, though, Drizzt was alert and wise enough to keep his gaze locked on that of Matron Malice. "'No more a servant!' the matron mother roared. "'To continue acting like one would bring disgrace to our family!' She grabbed Drizzt by the throat and dragged him roughly to his feet. "'If you dishonor House to Arden,' she promised, her face an inch from his, 
I will put needles into your purple eyes. Drizzt didn't blink. In the six years since Verna had relinquished care of him, putting him into the general servitude to all the family, he'd come to know Matron Malice well enough to understand all of the subtle connotations of her threats. She was his mother, for whatever that was worth, but Driz did not doubt that she would enjoy sticking needles in his eyes. This one is different, Verna said, in more than just the shade of his eyes. In what way, then? Zack Nefane asked, trying to keep his curiosity at a professional level. Zack had always liked Verna better than the others, but she recently had been ordained a high priestess and had since become too eager for her own good. Verna slowed the pace of her gait. The door to the chapel's antechamber was in sight now. "'It's hard to say,' she admitted. "'Drizzt is as intelligent as any male child I've ever known. He could levitate by the age of five. Yet, after he became the page prince, it took ten days of punishment to teach him the duty of keeping his gaze to the floor, as if such a simple act ran unnaturally counter to his constitution.' Zack Nefane paused and let Verna move ahead of him. "'Unnatural?' he whispered under his breath, considering the implications of Verna's observations. "'Unusual, perhaps, for a drow,' but exactly what Zack Nefane would expect and hope for from a child of his loins. He moved behind Verna into the lightless anteroom. Malice, as always, sat in her throne at the head of the spider idol. But all the other chairs in the room had been moved to the walls, even though the entire family was present. This was to be a formal meeting, Zack realized, for only the matron mother was accorded the comfort of a seat. Matron Malice! Verna began in her most reverend voice. I present to you Zach Nefane, as you have requested. Zach moved up beside Verna and exchanged nods with Malice, but he was more intent on the youngest Duarden standing naked to the waist at the matron mother's side. Malice held up one hand to silence the others, then motioned for Brisa, holding the house Pivofui, to continue. An expression of elation brightened Drizzt's childish face as Brisa, chanting through the appropriate incantations, placed the magical cloak, black and shot with streaks of purple and red, over his shoulders. "'Greetings, Aknafane Duarden,' Drizzt said heartily, drawing stunned looks from all in the room. Matron Malice had not granted him privilege to speak. He hadn't even asked her permission. "'I am Drizzt, second boy of House Duarden, no more the page prince.' I can look at you now, I mean at your eyes, and, and not at your feet. Mother told me so. Drizzt's smile disappeared when he looked up at the burning scowl of Matron Malice. Verna stood as if turned to stone, her jaw hanging open and her eyes wide in disbelief. Zack, too, was amazed, but in a different manner. He brought a hand to pinch his lips together, to prevent them from spreading into a smile that would inevitably erupt into a belly-shaking laughter. Zack couldn't remember the last time he'd seen the matron mother's face so very bright. Brisa, in her customary position behind Malice, fumbled with her whip, too confounded by her young brother's actions to even know what in the nine hells that she should do. That was a first, Zack knew, for Malice's eldest daughter rarely hesitated when punishment was in order. At the matron's side now, but more prudently a step further away, Drizzt quieted and stood perfectly still, biting down on his bottom lip. Zack could see, though, that the smile remained in the young drow's eyes. 
Drizzt's informality and disrespect of station had been more than an unconscious slip at the tongue and more than an innocence of inexperience. The weapons master took a long step forward to deflect the matron mother's attentions from Drizzt. Second boy? he asked, sounding impressed, both for the sake of Drizzt's swelling pride and to placate and distract Malice. Then it is time for you to train. Malice let her anger slip away, a rare event. Only the basics at your hand, Zach Nefane. If Drizzt is to replace Nalfane, his place at the academy will be in Sorcerer. Thus the bulk of his preparations will fall upon Ryzen and his knowledge, limited though they may be in the magical arts. Are you so certain that wizardry is in the lot for him, matron? Zack was quick to ask. He appears intelligent, Malice replied. She shot an angry glare at Drizzt. At least some of the time. Werner reported great progress with his command of the innate powers. Our house needs a new wizard. Malice snarled reflexively, reminded of Matron Ben Ray's pride in her wizard's son, the Archmage of the city. It had been sixteen years since Malice's meeting with the first matron mother of Menjaboranzen, but she had never forgotten even the tiniest details of that encounter. Sorcerer seems the natural course. Zack took a flat coin from his neck purse, flipped it into a spin, and snatched it out of the air. Might we see? he asked. As you will, Malice agreed, not surprised at Zack's desire to prove her wrong. Zack placed little value in wizardry, preferring the hilt of a blade to the crystal and rod components of a lightning bolt. Zack moved to stand before Drizzt and handed him the coin. Flip it. Drizzt shrugged, wondering what this vague conversation between his mother and the weapons master was all about. Until now, he'd heard nothing of any future profession being planned for him, or of this place called Sorcerer. With a consenting shrug of his shoulders... He slid the coin onto his curled index finger and snapped it into the air with his thumb, easily catching it. He then held it back out to Zack and gave the weapons master a confused look, as if to ask what was so important about such an easy task. Instead of taking the coin, the weapons master pulled another from his neck purse. Try both hands, he said to Drizzt, handing it to him. Drizzt shrugged again and in one easy motion put the coins up and caught them. Zack turned an eye on Matron Malice. Any drow could have performed this feat, but the ease with which this one executed the catch was a pleasure to observe. Keeping a sly eye on the matron, Zack produced two more coins. Stack two on each hand and send all four up together, he instructed Drizzt. Four coins went up. Four coins were caught. The only parts of Drizzt's body that even flinched were his arms. Two hands. Zack said to Malice, "'This one is a fighter. "'He belongs in melee match there.' "'I have seen wizards perform such feats,' Malice retorted, "'not pleased by the look of satisfaction "'on the troublesome weapons master's face. "'Zack once had been Malice's proclaimed husband, "'and quite often since that distant time "'she took him as her lover. "'His skills and agility were not confined "'to the use of weapons,' along with the pleasures that Zack Nefane gave to Malice, sensual skills that had prompted Malice to spare Zack's life on more than a dozen occasions, came a multitude of headaches. 
He was the finest weapons master in Menzoberranzan, another fact that Malice could not ignore. But his disdain, even contempt for the Spider Queen, had often landed House Duarden into trouble. Zack handed two more coins to Drizzt. Now enjoying the game, Drizzt put them into motion. Six went up. Six came down, the correct three landing in each hand. Two hands. Zack said more emphatically. Matron Malice motioned for him to continue, unable to deny the grace of her youngest son's display. "'Could you do it again?' Zack asked Drizzt. With each hand working independently, Drizzt soon had the coin stacked atop his index fingers ready to flip. Zack stopped him then and pulled out four more coins, building each the piles to five. Zack paused a moment to study the concentration of the young drow and also to keep his hands over the coins and ensure that they were brightened enough by the warmth of his body heat for Driz to properly see them all in their flight. "'Catch them all, second boy,' he said in all seriousness. "'Catch them all, or you will land in Sorcerer, the school of magic, and that is not where you belong.' Driz still had only a vague idea of what Zack was talking about, but he could tell from the weapons master's intensity that it must be very important. He took a deep breath to steady himself, then snapped the coins up. He sorted their glow quickly, discerning each individual item. The first two fell easily into his hands, but Drizzt saw that the scattering pattern of the rest would not drop them so readily in line. Drizzt exploded into action, spinning a complete circle, his hands an indecipherable blur of motion. Then he straightened suddenly and stood before Zack. His hands were in fists at his sides, and a grim look lay upon his face. Zack and Matron Malice exchanged glances, neither quite sure of what had just happened. Drizzt held his fists out to Zack and slowly opened them up, a confident smile widening across his childish face. Five coins in each hand. Zack blew a silent whistle. It had taken him, the weapons master of the house, a dozen tries to complete that maneuver with ten coins. He walked over to Matron Malice. Two hands he said a third time. He is a fighter, and I am out of coins. How many could he do? Malice breathed, obviously impressed, in spite of herself. How many could we stack? Zachnafane shot back with a triumphant smile. Matron Malice chuckled out loud and shook her head. She had wanted Driz to replace Nalfane as the house wizard, but her stubborn weapons master had, as always, deflected her course. "'Very well, Zachnafane,' she said, admitting her defeat. "'The second boy is a fighter.' Zack nodded and started back to Drizzt. "'Perhaps one day soon to be weapons master of House Duarden,' Matron Malice added to Zack's back. Her sarcasm stopped Zack short, and he eyed her over his shoulder. "'With this one?' Matron Malice continued wryly, wrenching back the upper hand with her usual lack of shame. Could we expect anything less? Ryzen, the present patron of the family, shifted uncomfortably. He knew, and so did everyone, even the slaves of House to Arden, that Drizzt was not his child. Three rooms? Drizzt asked when he and Zack entered the large training hall at the southernmost end of the Duarden complex. Balls of multicolored magical lights had been spaced along the length of the high-ceiling stone room, basking the entirety in a comfortable dim glow. The hall had only three doors, 
one to the east, which led to an outer chamber that opened onto the balcony of the house, one directly across from Driz on the south wall leading into the last room in the house, and the one from the main hallway that they had just passed through. Driz knew from the many locks that Zack was now fastening behind them that he wouldn't often be going back that way. One room, Zack corrected. But two more doors, Driz reasoned, looking out across the room. With no locks. Ah, Zack corrected. Their locks are made of common sense. Driz was beginning to get the picture. That door, Zack continued, pointing to the south, opens into my private chambers. You do not ever want me to find you in there. The other one leads to the tactics room, reserved for times of war, when, if you ever prove yourself to my satisfaction, I might invite you to join me there. That day is years away, so consider this single magnificent hall. He swept his arms out with a wide arc. Your home. Driz looked around, not overly thrilled. He had dared to hope that he had left this kind of treatment behind him with his page prince days. This setup, though, brought him back even to before his six years of servitude of the house, back to the decade when he had been locked away in the family chapel with Verna. This room wasn't even as large as the chapel, and was too tight for the likings of the spirited young drow. His next question came out as a growl. "'Where do I sleep?' "'Your home,' Zack answered matter-of-factly. "'Where do I take my meals?' "'Your home.' Driz's eyes narrowed to slits and his face flushed in glowing heat. "'Where do I?' he began stubbornly, determined to foil the weapons master's logic. "'Your home.' Zack replied in the same measured and weighted timber before Driz could finish the thought. Driz planted his feet firmly and crossed his arms across his chest. "'It sounds messy,' he growled. "'It had better not be,' Zack growled back. "'Then what is the purpose?' Driz began. "'You pull me away from my mother. "'You will address her as Matron Malice,' Zack warned. "'You will always address her as Matron Malice.' "'From my mother?' Zack's next interruption came not with words, but with the swing of a curled fist. Drizzt awoke about twenty minutes later. First lesson, Zack explained, casually leaning across the wall a few feet away. For your own good, you will always address her as Matron Malice. Drizzt rolled to his side and tried to prop himself up on his elbow, but found his head reeling as soon as he left the black rugged floor. Zack grabbed him and hoisted him up. Not as easy as catching coins, the weapons master remarked. What? Parrying a blow. What blow? Oh, just agree, you stubborn child. Second boy, Driz corrected, his voice again a growl and his arms defiantly back across his chest. Zack's fist curled at his side, at not too subtle point that Driz did not miss. Do you need another nap? The weapons master asked calmly. Second boys can be children, Drizzt wisely conceded. Zack shook his head in disbelief. This was going to be interesting. You may find your time here enjoyable, he said, leading Drizzt over to a long, thick, and colorfully, though most of the colors were somber, decorated curtain. But only if you can learn some control over your wagging tongue. A sharp tug sent the curtain floating down, revealing the most magnificent weapons rack the young drow, and many older drow as well, had ever seen. Polearms of many sorts, swords, 
axes, hammers, and every other kind of weapon that Driz could possibly imagine, and a whole bunch he'd never imagined sat in an elaborate array. Examine them, Zack told him. Take your time and your pleasure. Learn which ones sit best in your hands. Follow most obediently the commands of your will. By the time we are finished, you will know every one of them as a trusted companion. Wide-eyed, Driz wandered along the rack, viewing the whole place and the potential of the whole experience in a completely different light. For his entire young life, sixteen years, his greatest enemy had been boredom. Now, it appeared, Drizzt had found weapons to fight this enemy. Zack headed for the door to his private chamber, thinking it better that Drizzt be alone in those first awkward moments of handling new weapons. The weapons master stopped, though, when he reached his door and looked back to the young Duarden. Drizzt swung a long and heavy halberd, a polearm more than twice his height, in a slow arc. For all of Drizzt's attempts to keep the weapons under control, its momentum spun his tiny frame right to the ground. Zack heard himself chuckle, but his laughter only reminded him of the grim reality of his duty. He would train Drizzt as he had trained a thousand young Dark Elves before him to be a warrior, preparing him for the trials of the Academy and a life in dangerous Menzoberranzan. He would train Drizzt to be a killer. How against this one's nature this mantle seemed, Zack thought. Smiles came too easily to Drizzt, and the thought of him running a sword through the heart of another living being revolted Zack Nefane. That was the way of the drow, though, a way that Zack had been unable to resist for all of his four centuries of life. Pulling his stare from the spectacle of Drizzt at play, Zack moved into his chamber and shut the door. Are they all like that? he asked into his nearly empty room. Do all drow children possess such innocence, such simple, untainted smiles that cannot survive the ugliness of our world? Zack started for the small desk to the side of the room, meaning to lift the darkening shade off the continually glowing ceramic globe that served as the chamber's light source. He changed his mind as that image of Driz's delight with the weapons refused to diminish, and he headed instead for the large bed across from the door. Or are you unique, Drizzt Duarden? He continued as he fell onto the cushioned bed. And if you are so different, what then is the cause? The blood, my blood that courses through your veins? Or the years you spent with your ween mother? Zack threw an arm across his eyes and considered the many questions. Drizzt was different from the norm, he decided at length, but he didn't know whether he should thank Verna or himself. After a while, sleep took him, but it brought the weapons master little comfort. A familiar dream visited him, a vivid memory that would never fade. Zack Nefane heard again the screams of the children of House Devere as the Duarden soldiers, soldiers that he himself had trained, had slashed at them. This one is different! Zack cried, leaping up from his bed. He wiped the cold sweat from his face. This one is different! He had to believe that.